Gina, start the countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 Terminator activated. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here in Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Helen writes the following. Right here out of Las Vegas. I've listened to your show. You might want to take some notes from some of these other dating shows that are doing very well. I was listening to a podcast last night. They had a panel of people on there and it was very interesting and engaging. Sometimes we get tired of hearing your monotone, hearing you talk. And you're really talking about nothing by comparison to what they talk about. They talk about real issues and relationships. Maybe you should just get off your high horse and take some pointers from them. Helen, Las Vegas, Nevada. Helen, what I would suggest to you, my dear, why don't you unsubscribe from me and go with them permanently? And that way, you won't be so upset about the content that I provide on my show. Now, here's the thing. Dating and relationship podcasts don't do well anyway when it comes to statistics and numbers. The shows that actually do well, beauty, recipe shows, Those are the things that actually take off. The reason why dating and relationship shows, excuse me, are so difficult to launch is because it's at a lower level when it comes down to lay people thinking they can do it. You know, it's something that people can relate to closely because they're either in a relationship, got out of a relationship, so they're an expert in their own lives. So with this overconfidence that a lot of people have, they consider dating relationships less of a priority when it comes down to opinions, advice, those kind of things. Now, the show that Helen listened to, I've listened to them several times. And that show is diametrically opposed to what my show is. They don't talk about statistics. They don't go into data. They don't go into research. It's all opinion. And the interesting thing about it, all of the people on the show are married. And the majority of them have been married over the years to the same person. So really... Do they know much about dating outside of that vacuum of a relationship they've been in? Nope. I've listened to the show about maybe seven or eight times. 
and the way they cover topics, and I don't mean to, you know, demean them, they're doing their own thing, but the way they cover topics is, it's like a beginning, middle, and end. They're going to give you a solution only from their perspective without looking at your options. Now, another thing that Helen doesn't know, that particular show, it's funded by a religious organization. You subscribe to them, you co-sign it for something else. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to go into any details, but I know one thing for sure. Helen, you don't like the show? You can always unsubscribe and go to them. You won't be missed. All right. Oh, boy, here we go. Bear with me, folks. All right. Johnny writes the following out of him in California. I know this might seem kind of strange, and at 71, I shouldn't be even on this show, writing you, asking you anything, because I'm older and much wiser than you, at least I think, at least in life credits, I don't know about experience. However, you got me beat when it comes down to dating and women. I've been very short in that area. I've always wanted to date a black girl. I'm an old, withered-up white man now, LOL. But that's something that's been a fantasy of mine for a very long time. Well, most of my life I couldn't do it because where I grew up, black people weren't accepted and weren't liked. And I went on and married a traditional girl. We were together until she got to age 69 and then she passed away. And my kids have kind of grown up and matured past that stage of trying to monitor my life. After my wife died, it pretty much said hands off. And don't call me a dirty old man, please. I'm just a guy that wants to fulfill a fantasy for the rest of my life. I'm wondering how would I go about attracting a black woman? I don't want somebody that's too old. I want someone that's kind of young, maybe 35 and up. Don't have much money, but I have a big heart. Any ideas? By the way, I don't know if you know this, I live in Hemet, California. Johnny. Johnny, um, you're in Hemet, which is, that's way down in Riverside County. Senior retirement area, mainly. There was a lady that I wanted to date that lived down there, but, yeah. Mm-mm. At that time, the reason why I didn't like Hemet so much, there were not too many restaurants that had good food that wasn't bland. That was my only discrepancy about Hemet. 
yeah, you'll be able to find a lady down there that would be interested in you. You need to go online. That'll be your best option. You're not going to find, you'll find some black folks down there, but not that many. Go online. Do a search in the Hemet area, Riverside area. I remember I went to that um, Sabobo Casino that time, and I wasn't going to put my money in any of those machines. This date that I went out with wanted me to go down there. And the way they had the casino set up at the time, they were doing some construction, I guess. They were out in tents. And these people were literally losing their money in a damn tent. See, if I'm going to get my ass kicked by a casino by machine, I want to be at least inside, in a building. I feel better. I feel like I lost the money to an entity. But a tent? That's a hell of a loss. That's a hell of a loss. It's like a dwarf kicking your ass. You can't see shit. And don't get it twisted. A lot of people, dwarfs, they can fight their asses off. And, contrary to popular belief, folks, they are heavy. They're the same body weight we do. I went out with a dwarf on a date one time. She played it off. She got me. She catfished the hell out of me. And she didn't have some of the features that people think about. You know, the elongated head, that kind of thing. No. She looked like she was in proportion. In the photo. She didn't have, you know, the voice or nothing like that. She had a regular matter. In fact, she had that velvety voice. And I went on a date with her. And it was cool. I mean, I didn't treat her any differently as I would have treated anyone else. But I noticed one flaw in her. She could not resist chasing money. And that's a characteristic anybody can have. And as soon as she got an opportunity to be with this guy that was pretty much well off more than I was for sure I was yesterday's news but she was a sweet person though I can't take anything away from her you know she was very materialistic and bless her heart wish the best for her but we just within what the fourth date I knew she started dragging her feet on it, and I said, oh, that's something. She told me, she said, there's somebody else, and um, I'm sorry. I have to go for him. I have to go for him. This is my opportunity. Okay, fine. But that's when I was very permissive, and I would let, even though she deceived me, I let it slide. 
because during that time, again, I thought everybody had an entitlement. Give everybody a fair chance to date you. And then when you grow up and you start to realize that it's emotional immaturity, you come out of that shit. When you have your standards and your boundaries. Now, I would not have discriminated against her based on her height. I wouldn't even look at that. Even though that is an obvious fact, I wouldn't have looked at that. Because she was a very nice looking lady. Very well kept. Very well groomed. But it was her agenda. That was not so appealing. And I know some of you guys are asking, well, do they have the body parts of everything just like a grown person? They're not, at least she wasn't lacking in any of those areas. So, there you go. We need to quit looking at people as being less than. That's what anyone, whether it's race, whether it's physical. Here's the thing. If that person's not appealing to you, you don't have to totally devalue them. They're just not for you and you move on. But some of you got to pour salt in the wound. It's unnecessary. You got to be, you know, punitive for some reason. Because you didn't like that person, that person didn't like you. And that shows a lot about your character. Now, today's topic is going to be on a plethora of things when it comes down to dating. I'm going to address many of your emails that you've written in. We're going to talk about some, but I'm not reading the long ones. What we've decided to do is to put the longer emails aside and they will be read maybe a year later, two years later, who knows? Because of the fact that sagas take too long to process, read, comprehend, and understand. So, we're going to stick with the shorter emails from now on. Now, there was a couple of subjects that were brought up in several of these emails that we decided to combine into one particular way of addressing it. You ladies, I don't know why the majority of you still insist for what you've written in about having the guy pick you up on the first date. Oh, and many of you had horror stories about that. One lady had to buy a battery for a guy's car. The other one had to literally change a flat tire because he didn't know how to change his own, change a flat tire on a car. And you're faced with these horrendous situations 
Whereas if you would have got your own transportation, you wouldn't have had to deal with some of these problems. There was a lady. I'm going to read this email to you to hell with it. I'm going to read this one. Michelle writes the following. Out of St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a traditionalist. I'm 45 years old, so therefore, I'm still old school. A man is supposed to open the door for me. He's supposed to pull out the chair. <clears throat> this is what I expect of a man to do. Well, naturally, I expected him to come pick me up, which he did, and we went to dinner the other evening. After dinner, we came back out to the parking lot, and he thought his car was stolen. We looked around, made sure that we parked in that particular space, and it was empty. The car was gone. Well, he called the police, trying to find out what happened to the car. He put me in a cab and sent me home, only to tell me today his girlfriend had taken her car back. Yes, we were being followed by his girlfriend the whole night and she and her girlfriend followed us to the restaurant and used her key to take her car back that he was using. I found out that he was living with this woman for years. He didn't have a job and all the money he was spending on me was actually her money. I guess you live and learn, don't you? Michelle, St. Louis, Missouri. This is the kind of stuff you expose yourself to, ladies. This is why I tell you, get your own transportation for the first date. You're not trapped. You're not subjected to anything. I told you about the woman when I read her email about the one that was on that desolate road after the guy had fed her that night he thought that hey it's only obvious she's gonna give me a hit he unzipped his pants in the car she said no thank you and she lived down this gravel road that was very dark with no street lights he dropped her off in pitch black darkness and this woman had to walk miles to her house. You have to be very, very careful. But I will tell you, if you can't drive, have a girlfriend drop you off, get an Uber, Lyft, catch the bus, whatever it takes. Now, I did get an email from a lady and she asked, should she judge a guy if he doesn't have a car and catches the bus? Now, here's the thing. Is he punctual? That's the one thing you would have to ask. Is it a problem from him for him getting to places on time? If it isn't, I don't see a problem with that. I dated a woman that rode the bus. 
And I used to always offer to pick her up. She's like, no, 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 I'm gonna catch the bus. I'll be over at your place. But what was interesting about her, she liked actually engaging with people and talking to people. And she would tell me about some of the conversations she had on the bus with people. Of course, this was pre-COVID. So you didn't quite have the paranoia. And what she wanted to do eventually was move to New York. She just loved New York. Now, I've been to New York several times. Nice place for the people that live there. I personally wouldn't want to live there. But she was fixated on that and eventually she picked up and moved. But again, it depends. See, here's the thing. If a man is catching a bus, a woman may think, oh, well, he can't afford me. But if a woman catches a bus that he's dating, he should provide me a transportation. He should give me a ride. He should give me a car. And you have some people of that mindset. So, again, we will filter out a person that catches the bus over a person that may have good character who catches the bus, over a person that can pay their own bills who catches the bus, over someone that's never asking you for anything who catches the bus. But a lot of people are embarrassed because of the lack of status public transportation has as a reflection on them. The only thing I will tell you, when that does happen, you can always use a point of reference of the statistics from 2018 all the way to, to today, about the 20% of people that make over 100K per year when they file taxes, and the 80% that fall below that mark. Now, what does that mean? That means that the majority of people that are making all these demands of others, they have a little bit more than the other person probably, but they're not doing all that great. Some of you folks that have these demands and these standards are one paycheck away from being homeless, one paycheck away from being carless, but yet you're trying to make yourself feel better than the other person that may be a little bit less fortunate than you. There was a lady that used to catch the bus on Wilshire, and she used to be on that bus from, I think it was Wilshire and Broadway. No, Broadway doesn't go into Wilshire. It was Wilshire and Figueroa, down there by the uh, Old Hilton. I think it's some other hotel now, but it used to be a Hilton there. I think it was Wilshire and Sixth or Seventh. And she would take that bus all the way to the front of our building over on Wilshire Boulevard. And she'd go to the coffee shop downstairs. Always bright, refreshing, nice. Woman had this perfume to this day. And whenever I smell it, whenever I smell that fragrance, I think about her. It was just like Monica with Van Cleef and Arpels. If a woman's ever wearing that, that's gonna remind me of Monica. Always. And 
she was so nice, so kind, so upbeat, so positive. And she was single. I never forget, we were talking one day when I was waiting to get our coffee. And I asked her out. And she said, you know, I wouldn't mind going out with you. She said, but I'm having so much fun being single, being noncommittal, and enjoying the essence of life. And then she told me about the relationship she had recently got out of about a year prior. And she was making the comparison and contrast of the burden of having a relationship with a person she really didn't care for in comparison to where she is now. And she was in a pretty good, spe pretty good space. She said, we can go out to the movies, we can go out and who knows, we can flirt a little bit. She said, but I just don't wanna get serious. So we talked on the phone for God knows how long, for almost three or four months. And then finally she said, well, I'm taking the bus out to Santa Monica. I'm taking the blue bus out to Santa Monica. Okay, fine. Sure you don't want me to pick you up? No, 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 I got it. So she came out. We went out, had dinner at Gladstone's, walked on the beach. And she says, um, I want to challenge you. I said, how? She says, yes, you have a nice car in a nice place. Let's ride the bus all day. I thought that was weird. It was a Saturday coming up. And that's what we did. We went everywhere. Went to the Getty Museum. We went down there on Wilshire at the, um, the other museum of modern art. We just went around different places. We ate lunch off a damn food truck. And she was just a practical woman. And I'll never forget, we got back and it was too late for her to catch a bus going back to where she lived. And I told her, I can take you back home. She said, no, I'll just spend the night, which shocked me. Old girl could throw down. <laughs> and the next day, she let me take her home because I had to really talk her into doing it. So we go all the way to Los Feliz. She had a nice home. Paid for, it was hers. And she told me, she said, what I had to do when she was married at one point in her life, she said, I had to cut everything down as far as spending. And she said, I couldn't fall in love with the lifestyle that he had provided for me. But I did want to keep the house. And what I thought was funny, her mortgage was $780 a month. That was cheaper than an apartment in that area because he had financed the house way, way back when. He was much older than she was. And so she was just enjoying life. 
And on occasion, we'd go out, I'd talk her into going out with me where I'd pick her up. But she liked, she loved the bus. And I thought that was weird, but eventually our relationship faded. But she was happy with who she was, and then she retired from the company she worked for that was downstairs from the building I worked in. And after that, she was going on all these different, you know, excursions and tours and stuff that people would go on. But she was a very, very interesting, sweet, and down to earth. I don't like using that word, but she was. She was very, very solid person. She was the same person you met today, that you'd meet tomorrow. If she was dressed up, she was the same person. If she dressed down, she was the same person. Level of consistency like you wouldn't believe. It's hard to find these days. You find people in snapshots of their moods. One minute they want to argue with you, next minute they want to be cozied up to you, next minute they want to take out their anger on you. It's a challenge. I'm going to talk more in a minute. Now, most people would like for you to be ignorant when they date you. What do I mean by this? They don't want you to know much about them. They want to be able to create the narrative. This is one of the reasons why many people that you would love to date don't want to date you because you know them too well. They love that air of mystery that exotic intrigue. Now, if you already know what the playbook is, they don't really appreciate you because they already know you and you're not a surprise to them. See, here's the thing. Some people look at dating, meeting a new person. It's like they're constantly rejuvenating. They feel younger. They feel more important. They feel as though they can correct the narrative or set the narrative that they've already established, which may not have been up to their liking in the past. And you have to remember, you being that friend trying to talk to them, you are a negative reminder of something they don't like about themselves. This is why they go forward with someone they don't know. And they do this deliberately because it's about how they feel about themselves. Now, other problems that we run into with this kind of mindset, the people that they're familiar with, they're usually more harsher on. They're critical, openly critical. Now, a person who's trying to seek recognition, status, maybe they're bougie, they're going to be very condescending to that new person in order to try to establish control over them early. And the more compliant you are to someone who's 
like that, the more empowered they feel. So if you go in and they criticize you as a guy, they tell you something like, well, you know, on your first date, they'll say something like, you know, I don't know who dressed you. That shirt and those pants don't go together. Now, here's the thing. If you're not to their liking, guess what they would have done? They would have ended the date and left. They prefer to sit there and criticize. What they're trying to do is make you feel how they feel about themselves. But in a way where you feel less than they do. And that's the power that they assume. So you don't want to ever get to a point where you're being defaced like that and take it. That person's not worth it. And a lot of you guys will go and take this shit in order to sleep with a woman. What you're showing her is that you don't have any standards or boundaries. And when a woman sees that in a man, oh, she's going to run with it 100 miles an hour. We do it with women. If we hear a woman say something like, well, we're going to go out and whatever happens, happens. Trust me, ladies, the guy's going to try to fuck you. That's on the agenda. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's not going to sit there and try to be Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Chivalrous. He's going to try to screw you. And I will tell you, as a man, there's some women and I make my decision on whether or not I want to sleep with a woman the minute I see her. It's just that quick for me. Because there are certain things I look for, physically. And when she opens her mouth, that's the decision maker for me. She's got the package. How does she speak? How does she carry herself? That right there means everything. The one thing that had been my biggest fear throughout my dating practice and dating life was to get with a very attractive woman who was ignorant because I'd be afraid, deathly afraid of getting her pregnant. Because I'd have to deal with that for more than 18 years. I didn't want that. Could have had it many times over. Dodge those bullets. Now, another thing that we have to look at too, we marginalize some of the practicalities of people. So take for instance, you have a person that goes, like this one lady I dated, she would go to the high-end stores for her clothes. She'd go to Walmart for essentials. And she would go to the 99 cent store for disposables. Now, if it came down to quality, she would go to Target over Walmart. But if she was just looking for convenience, she'd go to Walmart over Target. And she was self-conscious about this. Because the guy she's dated in the past would talk about, oh, that's stupid, why are you wasting that gas? But we sat down one day with calculators and we factored things out. And she actually saved about, <laughs> believe it or not, $1.20 in one of her shopping endeavors. 
Now, true enough, that was part of her mindset. But at least she was thinking in that direction. Now, a lot of guys didn't like that because, you know, they wanted the convenience of, hey, we'll just go to the store and that's it. We don't have to go here and there. But the woman had a lot to offer. She was very smart. Had a killer 401k at the time. Had money in the bank. And she drove the 1992 Honda Accord that looked like every bit of nothing but just a regular car. Paid a paint job and a whole nine. Had well over 200,000 miles on the car. No leaks. No pings, no knocking. But she was content. A very practical lady. We went out a few times. She didn't want to get married. She didn't want a long-term relationship. And she would tell me, when I retire, she says, what I plan on doing is getting on a cruise ship and never getting off. That's what she wanted to do. And she got on there for years. She traveled. But that was what she had in mind for herself. And she wasn't going to let any relationship, any man or anything interfere with that agenda. Now, a lot of you guys complain about, along with me, I'll, get, I'll admit to it as well. These women that are talking about traveling at 50 and 60 and 70 years old, talking about going out to see the world at 50 or 60. Here's what I say. You got to be careful on that. Because there'll be money that you'll need later on at that age that you're spending now. See, when I was younger and traveling, I knew I could make that money up because I was so young. I hadn't peaked as far as my income. But when you're older, you don't know what the economy's going to give you. And you're not going to be able to go out there in the workforce and make that money back if you overspend. So let's take, for instance, you take a trip to Europe and you go into all these countries and it's running you like eight or nine thousand dollars including airfare and then you come back to the states and after coming back to the states place that you're renting for instance the rent is going up cost of living is going up well you look at inflation right now as a prime example So if you're going to the UK, for instance, at the latter part of September of this year, you'd do well against the British pound with the US dollar because the pound right now is taking a hit. But here's where you have to also look at, well, back then rather. Here's what you have to look at though. You have to think about What's the future going to be like for you? Now, true enough, people want to have their getaway, you know, to symbolize their retirement and all that. That's all well and good. 
but you gotta you gotta live beyond that time. And some of you are just gonna retire with just enough, where the only thing you will have is a $1,398 um, Social Security check. And you gotta figure out where in the world can I live off of $1,398? And I know some of you go to Forbes magazine and you look at the uh, top places to live. I post that on uh, facebook.com backslash romantic truth. Louisville, Kentucky was number one. That was the number one place. But that was for that particular snapshot in time. For those of you who have been listening to me, Little River, California was another place. Beale Harbors used to be called. And then there was another community in Texas, one in Tennessee. And that fluctuates and changes from month to month. But you have to remember, when you're looking at it through the lens of Forbes, the assumption is you already have money. That's the distinction. Now, some of you are actually looking at the fact that you won't be able to afford to live in America anymore. And that is a reality for many people. And it's all about the lifestyle. There are people that are moving to the Philippines that are on Social Security, fixed income. They try to stretch their money out. Chiang Mai, Thailand used to be the cheapest place in, in the world to live at one point where you could still have a decent standard of living. And you have a lot of Americans that are becoming expats because of that. And you have to, it's not that these people didn't plan they worked their asses off, but the problem was money in, money out, because they could have barely make it throughout their existence. This is what happens to a lot of people who just had a high school diploma, for instance. They'd make enough money in order to sustain themselves, sometimes even to buy a house. And that winds up being their nest egg. And they realize that if they sell that house, they could never get into the market and buy another one at a certain age. Interest rates are too high. Prices of homes have changed. It used to be the time when people would invest in real estate as their retirement. Now, as we know, you may or may not win on that proposition now. Because the only thing you have to do, get a few junk residences in the market that are overinflated and overpriced. We saw what happened in 2008. I look here in Vegas, they're still building homes. And they're building these homes but the people are looking at the interest rate that they're going to have to pay in order to get in it, and the Fed's still raising the rate at three quarters of a percent every quarter. Because this particular situation that we're facing is unlike any situation we faced in history. See, usually we'd have this uniformity. 
unemployment rate would be high, consumer spending would be down, interest rates would be high. These are characteristics we're familiar with in trying to avoid a recession, but it's not behaving that way this time. And a lot of people don't know what the hell's going on. The Fed is trying to do best practices from something that has been tried and true in the past. Because even it doesn't know where this is going. And see, the problem is, there are jobs out there. Companies are still hiring. When you get in those tight inflationary and recession times, jobs are the first thing to go. You have a high unemployment rate, companies are not hiring. But it's behaving differently, and that's because of the introduction of technology. See, prior to this, most people went out on the job, and they worked. And that was it. And so they had that labor force out there and they could kind of measure where things were based on layoffs, that kind of thing. Well, now the thing has changed. Technology has implemented, been implemented. You have fewer people in the workplace compared to the past. And what that also means now is that a person can work from home and save the company money and therefore they're less threatened by losing their job based on volumes of people that it took to produce or do different things. When I first started working in the workplace in an office setting, I worked for a company, and this is no exaggeration, they had nine general managers in one facility, over 500 people, nine general managers. There were people there that was in management and they didn't have anything to do but walk around and hand out candy. And oh, these people were making 70, 80,000 a year. That was a lot of money during their time. But they had a limited number of supervisors. But at the top, from general managers to executives, Oh, you had plenty of those folks. It was too top heavy. You don't need all those folks now. Companies are leaner, more efficient. And so it's a whole new dynamic. And a lot of analysts hadn't seen this before because they've been used to looking at historical data. It's ironic, uh, a friend of mine that always talks about hitting it rich. I was explaining to him that what you have to do is really think about where you're going and kind of put yourself in a position to advance. I've been trying to tell him this for years. But he didn't want to see it that way. He wanted to do it the way he imagined becoming wealthy 
was. Now, the way he looked at wealth was, I would go and invest in the stock, and then one day it's going to blow up, and I'm going to be rich. He'd buy individual stocks over the counter. Lost his ass for decades. He doesn't understand it. Because he wants it now. And he didn't have any kind of strategy. He just wanted to be rich. So he would save up a bundle of money and put it in his one stock. Just because of something he read or someone told him. And lose his money. And like I said, once a person realizes the easiest way to part a person from their money, they will do it consistently. That 18 to 35 demographic, you're in the crosshairs of marketing companies that try to do that over and over and over again. And you really have to think about it. They have you for a good 16 years in their crosshairs where they're trying to get you to buy overpriced iPhones, overpriced gadgets. Because the way they look at it, have them a loyal customer now, keep them as a loyal customer in the future. Nothing's wrong with that. That's a good business model. But what you have to do is you have to be practical about what you can afford. And when you go too far, we'll talk more in a moment. Now one question I get from ladies all the time and some guys, but mainly ladies. Why don't men approach me? Ladies, you're just being yourself, right? You're just being who you are. It's not that you're not approachable. It's not that you're intimidating. These men lack the confidence to approach you. Just like there's some of you ladies who lack the confidence in approaching a man. Now, one thing that I learned for many years on the dating scene... The women that would approach me, especially the married women, they would approach me with an air of confidence. I'll give them credit there. It was the single women who was most bashful. They were the shy ones. That married woman, that separated woman, that woman that was in a relationship, that divorcee, no problem. Now, there were some divorcees that had issues because they still lacked confidence from their marriage. But there were others that it was no, it was no big thing. They'll start a conversation and go on with it. Now, here's the thing, though. This lack of confidence... It didn't start with you. So don't get the big head thinking that you're intimidating or that you're a boss bitch or whatever. That insecurity with that person started well before they even saw you. 
I know you'd like to go and pat yourself on the shoulder with your ego about how you intimidate. No, you didn't. That person was weak when they first approached you. Now, as an example, this podcast. Soon as a woman finds out that I have a podcast, the assumption is, oh no, Mm-mm, not dealing with you. And I guess they think I'm going to try to pursue them. They say no. I say yes to your no. I'm not going to pursue you. And this is the interesting thing. The women that send these photos and video clips in of themselves nude. The majority of these women are 40 plus. I'll give them credit. They're confident in who they are. These photos would never get on the internet. These video clips would never get on the internet. They're confidential. They sent them to me in that way. They will always be looked upon in that way. Now, I know some people will say, well, you know, you have access to all these women and all this stuff. Well, it doesn't mean that you have access to the right one, does it? Volume does not equate to accuracy. I'm looking for more accuracy than I am volume. Am I looking for the perfect woman? Hell no. I want her to have flaws. That makes me feel comfortable. But I can openly say that. Not too many people can, because they want perfection from themselves and their partner. See, we spend a lot of time in our lives trying to appease and please others. And some of us actually forget to live our own lives because we're living by the measure of other people's expectations. Is that fair to you? Those people are going to be who they are whether you are successful or not. They're going to be who they are whether you like them or not or whether they like you. They're going to continue on with their existence. And when you're going to get pissed off at yourself is when you're older and you're going to look back at all of the sacrifices and unnecessary shit you did for people or in regards to their feelings, opinions, and those kind of things. I realized it was for naught. That was time you could have enjoyed being happier. See, when you're older, you get past 40, you really start thinking more incrementally about your time. Why do you think people at the age range, that's the first thing they talk about? Don't want to waste their time. Or I don't have any time for this or time for that. See, illness and death are two things that don't give a fuck about time. Your time or anybody else's. It could hit you at any point. And all that shit has ceased. But we make the assumption 
that that's not going to happen. It's part of life, is denial. We deny ourselves the thoughts of things happening in a bad way. Now, you know these people that you meet and they only want happy thoughts, they only want superficially uh, happy conversations, highly optimistic, so optimistic that it's a detriment to them. That's because they're probably escaping something that was very negative in their past. And they want someone to continue the delusion. Ladies, this is an invitation for men to lie to you voluntarily. And many of you accept it. And you wonder why these guys lie to you repetitively, even when you're looking for that word called honesty in your profiles that you write, but you get a liar. You get that liar because he's so accustomed to being around women who want to perpetuate the lies to them. So when you run across this guy, you're like, well, wait a minute. I want honesty. And you're sitting up here lying to me. That's because more than likely, he's been in that routine because he had met women who wanted to be lied to. And there are many women out there that want to be lied to. I've run into many of them and could not pursue a relationship with them. It would be disingenuous for me to do so because of the fact that they wanted me to help gaslight them. Most guys will lie to them, screw them, and they'll treat every woman like that. So when they meet you, who's looking for honesty, integrity, and long-term relationships and all that. Oh, they'll march by your drum, but after they sleep with you, they're gone. And you're frustrated because you went out in an honest effort to find a decent guy and wound up getting dick. And your feelings hurt and your heart broken and lied to. It's a pattern of behavior that women have established. Only thing men will do is mirror what she's requesting. And so what you need to look for is the exposure. And the way you find that out is asking them. A question like, so the women in your past, did they want you to lie to them? Some guys will say no. Some will be honest and say yes. The guys who say no, more than likely, don't want to blow it. But you'll have some people like that. I dated a lady one time, she only wanted happy thoughts. Well, we started out on a good note at an ice cream parlor. Until I actually started going out with her. And it was embarrassing when we went to the movies that time. And she says, oh, well, don't worry about it. I'll pay for concession. Credit card was declined. Debit card was declined. She didn't have any cash on it. She didn't want to be reminded that she overspent. Oh, well, I guess we can't have any concessions, you know. Who want to eat that food anyway? 
I went on and bought the food. She was living in a make-believe world of denial. Yes, you'll run across those folks. You'll run across others that are the total opposite. Misers. And a lot of you ladies complain about those misers. You write in about them. What a guy is itemizing everything. And he tells you, oh, you can't buy this, but you can buy that. Fellas, one thing I will tell you about a woman when you take her out. One thing to keep in mind. If you're taking this woman out on a date, please remember one thing. If you're on a date with her, if you're going to take her out, have it where she can afford or can get anything she desires at that establishment. But only do this after you guys have got a committed relationship going. Don't try to do this initially to impress her. You don't know her that well to spend that kind of money on her. She has to earn her rank when it comes down to that kind of money being spent. Just like you would have to earn your rank to be in between her thighs at some point. Don't go out there and thinking you're going to hit the lottery by spending all this money on the first date, second date, third date, and you're going to get some pussy in return. Don't do it. Because you could put yourself in a bad situation. It happens more often than you think. You have to be very vigilant. It's becoming more expensive to go out on dates with women. Stakes are even higher now. Because you don't know that last two, three hundred dollars you spent on a date may be the very money you might need next month to feed yourself. With the way the economy's going. So you gotta make these dates count. I don't mean just for sexual gratification but for something that's worth the investment. Because after a while, you're going to get tired of expensing dates. That's the reason why I tell you only 40 bucks per date. You think about it. Multiply that by three dates. The average person goes on three to four dates a month. Now, imagine you paying $200 per date. You go on three dates. That's 600 bucks. That's a car payment. That's a third of rent in some places. You got to be practical. And don't be ashamed if she comes up with coupons to try to help you save a few dollars. Or she says, oh, we're not going there. We're going here because it's cheaper. She's letting you know she cares. That woman who's making demands to go somewhere more expensive... Nine times out of ten, she came from a poor background or she's broke. And the only thing she has in her arsenal is insults and pussy. Shame, blame, and guilt. That's all she has. No personality. 
She's got the demands because she didn't have and therefore she feels as though she deserves. It's up to you to make the decision. Now, another thing too, with these types of women, when their vagina is no longer a viable option, where it would have an impact on your being, on your behavior, a decision to be with them. Some women are like emotionally paralyzed. That's the one hit wonder. That's all they had to offer. Same thing with some guys. But let me establish something that some of you have put in your emails. This is not a tit-for-tat show. There's some things that women are characteristically known for that men are not and vice versa. Some of you have written, especially African-American women, about trying to balance it out. Look, take your struggle for equality out there with your legislators in order to try to get the political world straightened out. When it comes to the practical world, there is in some areas no congruency and that's the way it is life has never wanted to be fair with people because it didn't have to be it's our human condition and our emotions that want the fairness and that's what we have to come to grips with good people who have gone to the church 24-7 die in a car accident while a guy who has killed multiple people still living until he's 80 or 90. The other day, Russia, they had a school shooting. 40-something people injured or killed. I think 17 were killed. Now, what you have to ask yourselves, what do you think is the cause of that? Some people attribute it to Putin's calling up 300,000 troops and maybe this guy was one of the guys that weren't going to go. But there was probably a trigger somewhere before it set to happen for this individual. What I'm telling you is this, folks. We all have motivations to do things in life. We would love to have a sense of equality throughout of it. Something that would make sense all the way through it. Why do you think we're so fixated on the Bible? Why are we so fixated in religion? We want answers. But the problem is, life doesn't have to give us any answers. We need it for our own reconciliation. What do animals do? They live their lives every day and don't worry about shit. If they die, oh well. They'll try to protect themselves. One of our biggest challenges as humans, believe it or not, is controlling our emotions. It's a big challenge. And we all have different ways of doing it. People shut down emotionally. Others become so emotional that they become sociably irresponsible irresponsible to themselves 
And one thing that I will tell you before we go on to the next segment. If you're with a person who really does not care about what happens to them and they try to get you to lower your standards to be in that same mindset, you need to really think about whether or not this person will be beneficial to you in the future or detriment. A lot of you go along with it because you think you're getting closer to that person. But understand, no matter even if you're in a relationship with them, they really have no obligation to honor the changes you made in order to be with them. You know, it's like the situation where the guy introduces his wife to a lifestyle, maybe swingers, who knows, queen of spades, whatever, lifestyle. That person's doing it for their benefit. Now, if you become complicit and you participate in it, and then you get to a point where you like it and it interferes with the marriage because now what he exposed you to for his gratification is now become an insecurity because you like that lifestyle more than he does because now you're participating a little bit more thorough than he is. He's created a Frankenstein. And so he's kind of fearful of that. He's intimidated by it. And his insecurities will come to bear. And what does he have? A loss and lack of control over you. And when that happens, you'll see that insecurity raise its ugly head. This always happens when a person who is about control, when they lose it, the first thing that comes up is that insecurity. And people will take protect an insecurity and an addiction over anything else. More in a moment. Now, another thing that people are faced with a lot is those individuals that have already read your book, supposedly, and never even looked at the cover to get the title right. What do I mean by this? A person who thinks they can assess you without even really speaking with you or knowing you. Because you have to remember the reason why they're doing this is to make themselves feel better. Because they're too damn lazy to really get a chance to know you. So they're going to make a summary of you so in that way it qualifies themselves. I want you to think about it like this. If you're a security guard and your duty is to make your rounds and to check the locks on the doors, well, what you do instead is just sit there and watch the video camera and say, well, nobody's been there messing around with the locks, so therefore they are locked. And then the next morning, you realize there was a burglary because you didn't physically go down and check. Well, this is the way people do when it comes down to thinking they know you when they haven't really had a chance to experience you. So, they make this assumption. This is the qualifier for them to, of course, become complacent. And I will tell you this. When somebody thinks they figured you out, when they don't even know you, you haven't even really had a conversation with them, but they're telling you what you're about, 
Don't engage in them in a conversation. Don't even pursue them for a relationship. That person more than likely gets it wrong every time. That individual will be somebody you would not want to be around. Because you'll be cleaning up their messes all the time as they make these grand assumptions on people without knowing facts. Now, there's some people that you figured them out genuinely and they're still trying to conceal themselves and camouflage because they want to hide that insecurity or that situation that they don't want to expose. Don't shame them into that. Once you found it out, you can call it to yourself and move on. Disengage. Don't try to be punitive and go out there and, you know, try to show them off in the negative light. You have better things to do with your time than that. Now, another thing that comes up from time to time. How does this person know that I like them? Now, there's some people that won't show anything emotionally that they're interested in you. They may say thank you or give you the nice courtesies, but not necessarily get to a point of where you can kind of determine where they are emotionally, whether they're happy, whether they really want to be with you. They're not expressive. Now, one thing that I will tell you, people that openly talk about how they like PDAs, kissing in public and things like that, let me tell you what that's about for the most part. They need an affirmation that they are loved. Those are all grand gestures. That's not really love. They may want you to hold their hands or something like that. But the reason why they're doing these things is because this is like a security blanket for them. Well, my other partner, he wouldn't hold my hand. He wouldn't kiss me in public. And now you have some people say, oh, you know, that's rude. That's absurd. Why do you kiss in public? That's gauche. But then you have others that want that because they want to let the world know, hey, somebody loves me. Because apparently there was somebody that didn't love them like that, as they see it, symbolically. That's more of an insecurity as well. But they want it underscored in public. And fellas, let me tell you something. It's all a big show with that. There are other problems underlying besides her wanting you to kiss her in public and do all of these flamboyant things in public to display your love. A lot of them read romance novels and a lot of romantic comedies they watch. The only thing I will tell you is be mindful of what you're getting into with many of these women when it comes down to that. A lot of them have some underlying issues that you haven't even scratched the surface on. Same thing with some of you ladies with these guys. 
That guy who is very recalcitrant, he doesn't show you any affection at all, even when you're alone. And he goes into that doldrum of anger for no reason. Those are some deep psychological issues he's dealing with. And men are ashamed to come up with those feelings because if they emote, they're considered to be weak. The worst thing you could do is get with a guy who's never had a chance to let those feelings out. Because when that occurs, you don't realize you're dealing with a ticking time bomb. Another thing we have to come to grips with as well. There'll be some of you who will be with a person that shows no emotions to you whatsoever. I told you about the lady that didn't want to hold hands that I was going out with. She didn't like being touched. Didn't want to be hugged. It was like I was on a date with a prostitute. It really was. You know, like when they don't want you to do this or don't want you to do that. What I heard from the guys, I don't buy ass. But it was just weird. We could talk to each other, we could laugh with each other. And I never forget, I went to hold her hand and she took her hand away. And she says, No, we're not doing that. Okay, we can't hold hands. She said, no, no, I don't feel comfortable. Had her hands in her lap, clasped together. And I said, well, you know, we could end the date if if you're uncomfortable. No, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. I just don't like touching. Okay. But then we go on, get to dinner. And she ordered very clinically never once asked me you know do you want this do you want that no none of that she ordered only spoke to the waitress didn't want to carry a conversation over me she's looking around the room oh I really like the decor here again I asked her you sure you want to be here with me because I could take you home we can get the food to go no no I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine And finally I asked her, I said, okay, let's cut to the chase. What's on your mind? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, no, something's on your mind. I said, let me tell you something. You have been an asshole ever since we've been on this date. And she just looked at me and smiled. And she says, I know. She said, most guys think that. I said, well, we can still go if you want to. No, we we can stay, we can stay. She went on an eight. We started walking. Went down to Santa Monica Pier. She never opened up. And she says, well, I want to see where you live. We got into the apartment. She went to the bathroom. She came out. 
And she was like, well, let's fucking you can take me home. It was that dry. And her vagina was just as dry as her personality. Even when we had sex, she was just there. Then she had the nerve to call me the next day and said that she had a terrific time on the date. It was a wonderful time. Now, mind you, I should have ended that date at any time. Well, maybe we should do this again. No, we won't do it again. Nope. The only time she showed concern was when I turned her down for a second date. Well, why not? I thought we had a wonderful time. She was emotionally unavailable. And we talked for about another hour or so. And that's when I found out about her childhood. They didn't celebrate Christmas. They didn't celebrate birthdays. Showing emotion was a weakness. She was brutalized in her youth along with her brother. molested, beaten for no reason at all, and it had fucked her perspective up all the way through adulthood. And I said to myself, she needs to thank her parents for fucking her up the way she is, because that's where it started. And it's the end result of what I get years later from their abuse years before. Of course, when you meet a person, you don't know what their background is. You don't know what they've gone through. And if they're tight-lipped, you never know. You could try everything in the world and not know. Be as jovial and as kind, engaging as possible. You never know how these people are going to react to what they've been through. You never do. I had a friend of mine. His girlfriend was having some mental complications. Now, this lady was very nice when she was on her meds and doing well for herself. And so my friend would only be able to see her and date her when she was on her meds because she would tell him, hey, you can't come over. And she would go and wreck the place, throw glasses. I mean, the place would be a mess sometimes when he would come over and see her. And she'd be embarrassed and she'd be crying. And he'd clean the place up. A few weeks later, same old situation. Well, he called me up one time to tell me 
He's like, man, can you get me down to uh, the Toyota dealership in Culver City? I'm like, yeah, I can give you a ride down there. What's going on? First I asked him, why aren't you driving? He says, I think I might have to drive a car back. Now, I didn't know at the time because he drove a Mercedes. I drove a Mercedes. So I'm like, Toyota dealership, he must have bought a new car. What this lady had done, his girlfriend, she had drawn down, down all her money from her savings and 401k and bought this Toyota Camry, brand new, on a whim. So one of those periods when she didn't want to be bothered with him, she was actually drawing down her social security, I mean, her uh, 401k and taking the money out of her bank accounts. And she went and bought the car. And she was so euphoric. She ran up to me, gave me a hug, gave me a kiss on the lips. I got this car. He was kind of looking at me like, whoa, don't get any ideas. I'm like, no, she's your lady. She went and kissed me. And so he got in the car and drove her home. He called me up late. He said, man, he said, don't you know when she got to the house, she just bust out in tears and started crying. And she started punching me and stuff, talking about why didn't I stop her from throwing away her money? He said it took everything in him not to leave her. Then needless to say, she was short up on the rent. Utility started lagging, and he took up the slack on that. And eventually he moved her into his place. She lost her job. And he finally got her some help. She was going to a doctor here and there, but she wasn't really following through. And the medication they gave her made her kind of lethargic. And things were going pretty well for a while. So one day he came home, she had flushed all the meds down the toilet, and his place was a wreck. got a 5150 and he told me he said I don't know he says um, I really didn't plan to be with her like this but I'm going to stick with her this is our relationship he really loved her going into the relationship he had no idea she was like that and they stayed together until she passed away And sometimes you may wind up being exposed to a situation you're not aware of. And then you got to figure out how you're going to manage it while others will say, fuck that. Like me, I would have said, fuck that. I'm not dealing with it. But he chose to hang in there. And I remember one time he told me, he said, that she had um, one night was horny 
he said he knew something was going on. He said, man, we started screwing about 6 o'clock at night. We didn't finish until about 8 o'clock the next morning. He said, every time I got hard again, bam. And he says, she was the best he ever had. But the thing was, she was not in her right state of mind. And he tried to deal with it as much as he could because that was the first woman that he ever met that was like that. And I'm sure the sex played a big role in him staying. But guys, you got to think beyond that, beyond the obvious. You got to look at the things that are associated with them. I had another friend of mine, female. She was dating this guy. He was paranoid schizophrenic. And out of nowhere, he would do things. I remember one time they were on an elevator and he had checked into a hotel. His place was being renovated because there was a fire that had taken place in his apartment. And for no apparent reason, he just turned around and started choking her. Well, the security guards caught it on camera, so when they got to the first floor, they called the police. I had him locked up. And he went from that anger straight to being pitiful and crying and begging her not for him not to go to jail. And she wrote it off as maybe he was just angry. Maybe I just shouldn't do what I did because they had a conversation on the elevator. But this started happening repetitively. He would pull her hair. He'd punch her for no reason. And eventually, it took a while. But her girlfriends talked her into not being with him anymore. But she was convinced that she could save him. When you're going against an addiction, mental illness, or insecurity, the only way you can even come close to redeeming that person, they're going to have to put forth effort for their own redemption. Trying to do it yourself is never going to work. And sometimes you have to leave a toxic person for your own safety and your own mental health. But we don't talk about that in relationships, but mental health is a very important component of your relationship surviving, just like your physical health. And we don't think about that. We put up with the dysfunction and the craziness thinking at some point it's going to normalize, and sometimes it doesn't. And then you come out of that relationship more fucked up than you ever was in your life. But the one thing that I will tell you, if you go in a situation like that, have a plan for having some help for that individual if you're going to do it. If not, don't go into it but they got to put forth some effort too. 
Because if that shit just goes unchecked on their part and you got to do all the work, you're doing yourself a disservice. Just going to tell you. Because some of you people in your 40s who have elderly parents now, guess what you're going to have to deal with also, in most cases? Dementia. With them. Oh, they're going to forget things. They're going to curse you out. And they're going to be angry at the world because it's happening to them. And they're going to have that short-term memory loss. And they're frustrated because the things they used to do, they can't do anymore. Now, I want you to think about it. You're going to have to deal with that with parents more than likely. Based on statistics. And then... You're going to have to also deal with if you have a partner that's dealing with some other kind of issue. What about your own mental health? You got to think about you too. I know you may love that person, but you can only take so much. You know, they used to have this saying, God only gives you enough for you to handle and I used to always say maybe God trusts me a little bit too much you have to understand one thing you have to look out for your own livelihood when it comes to that and know what your limitations are and your boundaries are because I will tell you more often than not, you're going to fall into a hard place if you go against your boundaries and your standards and your rules. It's going to bite you in the ass. And it's going to alter your course of life. If you're going to deal with someone that has a mental condition or even a disability or something like that, Research it. Get an understanding of what you're dealing with. So you have a better comprehension. Don't go in there ignorant. Don't act like you know everything when you don't. Don't try to measure that person by the way a normal person would be. Get help for that person and yourself. If you're going to be in that situation. It will save you a hell of a lot of trouble. Take it for someone that had to deal with shit like that for 30 plus years. Going into relationships not knowing that you had all these things to deal with. Because on the surface in the initial meetings, everything is fine. You don't get to know a person until you get to know them. In most cases, until they let you know them. It's not hard. It's a low measure for a person to be impressive when you first meet them. I know a lot of you think that, oh, no, you know, he's this, he's that, or she's this, or she's that. Every person that goes on a date usually will put their best foot forward. Don't be impressed by that. You have to be impressed by their actions thereafter, their behavior thereafter to make a judgment as to whether or not that's right for you or not 
Initial impressions are usually the things that sink most relationships. Well, folks, I gotta go. But I want you to have a good one. What I want you to take from this is this. A practical person in a dating situation may not be glamorous, may not be a status um, symbol or something of that sort, but if that person's good, decent, and practical, there's no need to really filter them out. The other thing I want you to keep in mind with this, when you approach someone, don't be so impressed initially by the presentation. Look for the content, not the cover of the book. And lastly, know your limitations. And understand the gravity of what you would have to learn in order to coexist with that person in a relationship. Don't voluntarily go in ignorant thinking your personal will will conquer everything. That shit's only done to make you feel motivated to do something. It's not a solution, it's just an incentive. Take care. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at anchor.fm backslash romantic truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at romantictruthpodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.